As you'll see from the front cover of the book, uh, today we're talking about politics. So I thought I'd come with a special outfit. <laughs> now, I was surprised with how many people in the band have no idea what this means. Hands up if you know. You guys don't, many people on this side don't even know what it is, okay? Can someone tell us? Gough Whitlam, that's right. This is the t-shirt that got Gough Whitlam into power, as well as lots of other things. Um, although, if you see photos of Gough Whitlam in the, 70, I think, 72 election, it's more like that, you know, like super tight. Everyone wore their t-shirts extremely tight, even if they had embarrassing um, guts, like Gough did. Better than a budgie smuggler, though. Now, since the recent death of Gough Whitlam, we've had the chance to reflect on what good leadership and what makes for a good Prime Minister. Uh, you know, and there's been lots of commentary about how, yes, sure, he made a mess of the economy and, you know, he spent his money too quickly and moved too quickly. But it really does show you how, through having vision and leadership, he was able to um, change Australia like like just 180 degrees almost into a, in, in such a way that we're still talking about it 40 years later as significant two and a half years or two and three quarter years. Um, more recently, we've had another reflection on good and bad leadership with the Rudd and Gillard melodrama, haven't we? Um, and it really showed how with Rudd, who I got to meet, well, I think he's the only Prime Minister I've actually met, um, um, but he was a nice guy when I met him. But, you know, he was, he was super smart. He could speak Mandarin and, you know, he could, um, you know, run rings around most people in the room intellectually. But he, he was hopeless with people. And so he lacked empathy and he was aggressive. And, and we know the story. Um, eventually his own people kicked him out. As comedian Robin Williams said... Politicians are like diapers. They should be changed frequently and for the same reason. <laughs> Our discussion this morning is on what Ecclesiastes is teaching us about politics and leadership. But it is going to be relevant to us all. As Aristotle said, the great Greek philosopher, man is by nature a political animal. So really what we're talking about here is not so much relevant for people who are in politics, but for all of us as we um, live our lives in the workplace, um, exercise leadership, or have dynamics between us, between people and the family, um, there is a politic at play in all of our relationships. Um, and so the, the, these, these, um, the, the application of this passage applies to our general life as well. There's some obscure sayings that we'll see and, if, and it, you might have found it a bit tricky to follow just in that long slab, but, um, but we'll, you'll see that it all does link together nicely. The main purpose of my talk is this, or the main point that I want us to all take home is this. Because foolishness can wreck everything, pursue wisdom in your leadership, in your everyday life, and in your speech. I'll say it again. Because foolishness can wreck everything, pursue wisdom in your leadership, in your everyday life, and in your speech. So let's have a look at that first idea. A little foolishness can ruin everything, so pursue wisdom in your leadership at all costs. 
There was once a small city with only a few people in it, and a powerful king came against it, surrounded it, and built huge siege works against it. So what the teacher does here at the beginning of this passage is he contrasts two people. One is a powerful leader with guns and cannons and military power, and the other one is a small, significant, non-unfamous man, but who's also very wise. And the setting is a little city with a few people in it, um, and they really had no chance against the big cannons that were coming their way. Imagine um, a modern-day equivalent could be some, something like the idiotic North Korean president Kim Jong-un parading his missiles before a little tin pot, tin pot Asian country. You know, it would be freak-out time. The powerful guns versus the little town. But we know from reading Ecclesiastes by now, you should have picked up that, you know, life doesn't necessarily play out in a logical way and there are things to consider. For example, in chapter 9, verse 11 of Ecclesiastes, the race is not to the swift nor the battle to the strong. So we, we should be expecting a surprise in this little story. Verse 15, now there lived in that city a man, poor but wise, and he saved the city by his wisdom. He couldn't use cash to save the city, but he did have wisdom, and with that he did save them. But even though he proved to be a wise leader, a wise but poor leader, he found himself disregarded once the danger had passed. People forgot about him. I don't really care about your wise decisions. We've moved on. So what does the teacher conclude about this little scenario? Verse 16, So I said, wisdom is better than strength, but the poor man's wisdom is despised, and his words are no longer heeded. His thoughts develop a bit more. Uh, he says in verse 16, wis, uh, sorry, he says a bit further, verse 17, I think it is, the quiet words of the wise are more to be heeded than the shouts of fools. And then again, he says, wisdom better than weapons of war. It's a little bit like our modern day saying, brains are better than brawn. Um, so he's making a general point here. And then he develops it a bit further. It doesn't matter how tough your opponent is. If they're tough and foolish, wisdom will always be better. They might win the occasional battle, but the teacher in Ecclesiastes is saying, you will win, if you are wise, the ultimate war. And this works on an individual scale in your interrelating with people. If you're fighting against or if you're competing against a foolish, strong person, but you're exercising wisdom, you will ultimately win the competition. But it also works on a national scale. Countries that exercise wise decision-making versus countries that exercise foolish decision-making. There are consequences for our actions. I'm deeply concerned about what is going to be the long-term consequences for our asylum seeker policy at the moment. Uh, the government has succeeded in stopping the boats. What's the long-term consequence going to be? The teacher wants to warn us against foolishness. You can have a great career in leadership. You can have a great career in politics or business and go for 30 years and build up all this capital around you and all this status. 
but it only takes one moral stuff up, one crack, and the whole house of cards comes tumbling down. Verse 18b says, One sinner destroys much good. Yesterday I was watching um, the new documentary about Lance Armstrong. Stop at nothing, it's called. He was no doubt an amazing athlete, but the documentary reveals he was corrupt to the core. He, he had can, he'd been a successful cyclist and then had cancer and got better from his cancer and used that, that um, kind of overcoming of cancer to uh, win support for his causes and for his status as an athlete. Um, and then he went on to win seven Tour de France's. And, and, and set up a uh, cancer fundraising, cancer research fundraising thing. But all the time he was using um, doping and drugs and, um, and he was getting other people to lie for him. And uh, he, he got away with it for many years and then he tried to have a comeback in 2009. It was then when the medical technology had improved a lot, they caught him and he eventually went on to Oprah, I think it was last year, and confessed to everything and everything was stripped away from him his, his, his successes from the Tour de France his, his um, cancer research fundraising arm and everything that he had he'd built up was gone due to his sin all that other good work was stripped away but you can think of lots of examples of people like this uh, that are famous can't we Craig Thompson and then his successor Kathy Jackson at the HSU, sportsmen like Oscar Pistorius, hugely famous, shoots his girlfriend by mistake, maybe, who knows? I think that's what they concluded, by mistake. And it's all come, come tumbling down. Tiger Woods, artists like Michael Jackson, the world's most famous pop star, and then all these allegations come out and it all comes come, tumbling down. Rolf Harris, They've all had their moral failings exposed and in the most part it has caused their careers to fall down like a house of cards. I guess the question for us is, or for you, is have you got the potential to have a Craig Thompson or Kathy Jackson moment? Have you got the potential to be not necessarily doing the same things as them, but have you got the potential for your whole life and work that you've built up to fall down because of a moral failing or to use the language of Ecclesiastes 9 and 10 sin if you were to make a moral mistake what would it be for you maybe you're currently living in the consequence of a foolish decision see that it's easier for us to point the finger at famous people but we all have the potential to be a Lance Armstrong. It doesn't just happen to other people. What the teacher in Ecclesiastes is saying is that um, despite all the wisdom that you might have, if you mess up morally, it could affect the whole operation of your life. Think about um, people in the Bible. There's millions of stories of characters in the Bible. What a King Rehoboam. Have you heard of him? He was a son of King Solomon came after King Solomon. And he's talked about in 1 Kings. And when he became king, his counsellors advised him to lighten the hard load that your father, King Solomon, had placed on everyone. 
make, make life a bit easier for everyone. That's what we really need. This was wise advice. But he disregarded their advice and he, he dumped them, for his, his counsellors, for younger counsellors. And they advised him, the young bucks, they said, thus you should say to the people, whereas my father laid on you a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. 1 Kings 12. So Rehoboam followed this foolish advice, and as a result, he lost 10 of the 12 tribes of Israel. It only takes one bungler to destroy much good. So as the teacher says in chapter 10, verse 1, as dead flies give perfume a bad smell, so a little folly outweighs wisdom and honour. Or as we might say now, one rotten apple spoils the basket. The contrast to notice is one little dead fly versus a whole thing of perfume. Little versus a lot. Just a little bit of foolishness, the whole thing comes down. Wisdom is vulnerable to foolishness. They're diametrically opposed uh, the passage talks about the right and the left. Verse 2 says of chapter 10, the heart of the wise inclines to the right, but the heart of the fool to the left. This isn't talking about politics, all right? It's talking about um, you know, ancient Near East and understanding of right and left. So the easiest way to remember it is Jesus putting the sheep and the goats on his right and his left. Um, you know, the right equals um, wisdom and making you know and good good choices and honour. Left equals foolishness and dishonour, perversity. Which way does your heart incline, right or left? So this section ends verse with, in verse 4 by returning to the foolish ruler. Only this time he's giving us advice. If we find ourselves facing such a fool, and we all have at different times faced a foolish leader, a boss that's annoying us, that just is hard, to work with? What should you do if you face a person like that? Should you run away? No. Uh, here it says to respond in calmness. So to respond in calmness and with wisdom. But you will ultimately uh, win. If you smile and not allow yourself to be shaken keep qu- and keep quiet and awa- make wise decisions, you will have the upper hand ultimately. These are interesting life lessons from the Bible. So to summarise this this section, this point, since a little folly easily ruins the strength of wisdom in politics and leadership, we ought to use wisdom in our political dealings and in our leadership. Pursue it at all costs, because a little foolishness messes the whole thing up. But also, a little foolishness can ruin everything, so pursue wisdom in your everyday life at all costs. Let's think about political leaders again. Verse 5 of chapter 10. There is an evil I have seen under the sun, the sort of error that arises from a ruler. Fools are put in many high positions while the rich occupy the low ones. I have seen slaves on horseback while princes go on foot like slaves. The teacher observes here um, that um, in this kind of foolish uh, political regime, what's, what's going on is the wrong people are in the wrong positions of leadership. All the power is all messed up, and not in a good Jesus kind of way. We're not talking about the inversion of the kingdom of God here. We're talking about putting the wrong person in the wrong job. 
why is that, why are they in there you know you've seen that happen before in the workplace maybe the rich educated people who normally rule and make decisions for the country are not doing it anymore they're walking around like slaves this has all happened according to verse 5 because of a foolish decision from the leader stuff ups in life due to our foolishness can happen and it can have dire results look at verse 8 you can dig a hole to catch an animal probably and then fall into it or, or to use another example from the passage you can push a wall down because you're doing some work and then a snake will come out and bite you you could rush into war thinking that Iraq has weapons of mass destruction only to find out that they don't, but now you have to stay there for 10 more years. It's a modern example. Verse 9, you might dig rocks but then get injured. You might split logs but then hurt yourself. One commentator writes, with these four examples, the teacher suggests that people can face dangers in their daily occupations. Most often such accidents are caused by momentary lapses of concentration or small hazards not guarded against. Each illustrates the thesis in chapter 9, verse 18, that a small amount of foolish, foolishness can undo a lot of wisdom. So you might be a teacher here, right? A school teacher, and make an error of judgment that puts your students in danger. You might be a builder who accidentally fires the nail gun into your leg. I've heard of really horrible nail gun stories. You might be in the financial services, make a slip up with an extra zero or put the dot in the wrong spot and then suddenly people have lost millions of dollars. When I did youth ministry, I, I was always a bit worried about something going badly wrong. You know, someone electrocuting themselves or, you know, at Genizano, week after week where we used to have um, the youth and young adult services in Hillary's, we used to set up this huge PA system and there'd be these kind of 18-year-olds carrying these 50-kilo speaker boxes and I was just thinking, ah, oh, something's going to go wrong, but never did, thank goodness, as far as I know. Um, but what, what, what could happen? You know, I, I, I have even just stupid, annoying things can happen at work. I had a friend who was in a band um, and they were on tour and they had all their gear in a truck and they went into a cafe for lunch and the truck was locked. They came back. The truck had been broken into. All the gear was stolen. It happens at work, doesn't it? Mistakes are made. Some of you are in industries where the consequences of your mistakes are so serious. So what is the teacher saying to us? Verse 10. If you're trying to chop with a blunt axe, then use your wisdom to know how to cut through that log. Don't just keep chopping with the blunt axe. If you're a snake charmer, I know there's lots of us in this congregation, don't stick your hand near the snake's head before you've charmed it or the snake will bite you and you'll be in trouble. So not only in the political arena then, but also in just the everyday living of a normal human being, you should use wisdom at all costs to navigate your way through. Well, our, our last point then is this. A little foolishness can ruin everything, so pursue wisdom in your speech at all cost. One of the causes, biggest causes of moral conflict, moral breakdown and conflict in the workplace or in life is what you say, what comes out of your mouth. On the other hand, people who, who speak words of wisdom live great lives. When Jesus, for example, preached in the synagogue in his hometown, Nazareth, 
the people's first reaction was positive, wasn't it? Um, it says, everyone spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. Just as Ecclesiastes 10 verse 12 says, words from the mouth of the wise are gracious, but in contrast, fools are consumed by their own lips. So if you bitch about people at work, if you complain all the time, if you spread rumours, you will be consumed by what you say. It will eat away at you. It won't make you grow in Christ's likeness. It will only contribute to your downfall. And the sad paradox is this. Even though your evil words will consume you, you will keep talking on and on and on and on like a madman or a mad woman. Verse 14 says, fools multiply words. Your foolish words will make you tired. You will labour in vain and you won't know the way home. This includes the babble you put online. Just think about Nova Paris and her emails that was been in the news in the last week. She didn't mean that to go out in the public, but she says some horrible things about Kathy Freeman and now and other stuff as well. And now it's all been exposed and now she has to live with the consequences. She'll probably survive it, but she'll be seriously damaged by it. Remember the Sydney English professor a couple of weeks ago who was doing this awful competition of words with his friends to see who could be the most shocking and racist. And now all of that's been exposed. Foolish words, whether said or typed, will catch up with you. Now, if you turn to the front page of your booklet, you'll see something which has amused me this week. And there's two pubs in Brunswick Street. On one side, it's called The Labour in Vain, and on the other side, it's called The Perseverance. And I thought, that can't go left unnoticed for the Ecclesiastes series. And that's not a, consequ- it's not a coincidence either. I'm sure that when they were built those pubs in the 19th century, there was a good joke being made. Are you a fool who babbles and babbles and so you labour in vain and you don't know the way home? Or are you a wise person who knows when to shut up and knows when to speak gracious words and so you're able to persevere with your life? Which pub are you going to attend? That's a weird thing, Susan. So there's, there's two ways to live. And the teacher returns at the end of this section to the two contrasting political orders. One political order has people in power who don't know how to lead. The other political order has people in power who do know how to lead. The nation with its upside down, messed up political order is like a house that is not maintained. The king is incompetent and the princes are off partying. Who is looking after everyone? So people are suffering. But the teacher warns him not to curse the king, even if he is a fool. Because he will find out. Don't even think angry thoughts about him. And it says in verse 20, A bird in the sky may carry your words, and a bird on the wing may report what you say. It's like our expression, A little birdie has told me. Have you heard that? Careless talk can get you into deep trouble. So what have we learned? The teacher has told us, over this whole section of Ecclesiastes, that a little foolishness, can kill the strength of wisdom, especially in leadership and politics. Dead flies spoil the ointment. Then the teacher showed us that a little foolishness can hurt us in just our general areas of life, in our just everyday work. Um, You might injure yourself, you might get a snake bite, you might fall into a pit. 
or you hurt yourself with a blunt axe. The point is, even in the simple things, pursue wisdom. Then the teacher concludes by looking up at a messed up political regime where the wrong people are in leadership and, uh, and says, even if you're tempted to curse the king, don't do it because that would be foolish as well. See, as Christians, the days that we live in leave us uh, open to many traps. There's opportunities for us to get caught all the time into a bad situation. Uh, we're no longer in a world, in a context at least in Melbourne, where um, people are neutral about Christianity. People now are consciously, aggressively, some people, against, against Christians. And in some of your workplaces, you will find that you are a target. So this is more of a reason why you need to be wise in your behaviour. Jesus told his followers, See, I'm sending you out like sheep into the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Matthew 10, verse 16. And, he, and Jesus also warned them about the dangers of the coming persecutions. And then he promises them, I will give you words and wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. Luke 21, verse 15. And Paul affirms this and says to the church, he says in Ephesus, be, be careful then how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time, because the days are evil. So do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So remember this, as followers of Jesus Christ, use your God-given wisdom to navigate your way through your leadership and through your life. Let's pray. Lord, we lift up every one of us before you and we know that we're all capable of foolishness, but we're also all capable of pursuing wisdom. We pray that you give us that wisdom. You say that when we ask for you to give us wisdom, you'll give it to us. And we pray for that now. We pray for those of us who are in particularly high-risk occupations, um, that you guard us, you help us to make good decisions, wise decisions. Please protect us from moral failure and help us be a church that brings life and grace to the world. Amen.